All right. So, uh, as Jill said on the video, uh, we are in this series called Real. Everyone say real. Real. Real is uh, an acronym that actually stands for a few things, and I'll let you know exactly what they stand for. But if you missed out uh, on last week, uh, last week was a really great Sunday. You can catch up on all our services. This service is recorded, um, and you can go to therocknp.com, find out about our events, um, news out here at The Rock Church, and you can listen to our sermon podcast right there. But we're in a series called Real, and the whole series is based on discussing about how do we become a real and authentic Christian, how do we become a real and authentic Christian? Now, um, people in this world are searching for something real. They're searching for something authentic. And last week, we talked about how we need to be relevant fishermen. And uh, we talked about how we each have uh, kind of a fishing pole, if you will. We're called to go out and fish for people, just as Jesus called his first disciples, who seven out of the 12 were actually fishermen. They were commercial fishermen by trade. And there's a few things that we learned from them. And we need to make sure that we, as a body of believers, especially here at the Rock Church, that we don't try to manipulate. We don't try to conjure up something that's not real. We don't try to put on a show. We want to make sure whoever comes to this church or actually comes into, uh, into your life that you are displaying a real, authentic Jesus. Sadly, there's a lot of places out there today that don't do that. Um, they try to offer something else. And sadly, uh, my biggest fear is that we'll one day be in heaven and God said, you missed it. That's my biggest fear, that we stand before the Lord and he says, you didn't quite get it. There's actually a very kind of a sad scripture. And he says, there's people that come before me. And he says, I'm not going to know you. And they're going to come back and say, but Lord, we, we, we sang the worship and we casted out demons. We went to church. We even read the Bible. And God says, no, no, no but you still missed it. And so we want to make sure, how do we become real and authentic Christians? And this is just more than just being yourself. That's kind of the new hype right now. Just be yourself. Do you, boo, is kind of what everyone says right now. I just said boo in church. Uh, has, that, has that lingo caught here yet? Not quite. People are like, you call people boo? Like, I don't know yet. Uh, but, but, but that's the biggest thing right now. It says, just be you. Just be you. And I want to let you know, don't just be you. Be who Jesus created you to be. And there's a difference, and there's a vast chasm between the world saying, be you, and Jesus saying, being who I created you to be. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean to be real. Real is an acronym, and this is what uh, stands for, for the note takers in the room. Uh, it stands for relevant fishermen, engaging influencers, which we're going to talk about that today, authentic witnesses, and life-giving farmers, life-giving farmers. Last week, we talked about relevant fishermen. When we recap that, you can check it out online. And today, we're talking about how to be engaging influencers. And so if you can do me a favor, go ahead and turn to your Bibles or touch the Bible app. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 13. That's where we're going to be camping out today. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We got some free ones in the back for you. Um, but we also got them on your worship guide notes along with the screens behind me, so don't freak out. We got scripture here for you guys today. Um, but I want to talk about this current phenomenon that's happening in the social media world right now. Um, anyone here have social media? Can you just raise your hands? Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, Tumblr. What am I missing? There's a bunch of them out there. Uh, anyone here still have a MySpace? Do you? You have a MySpace? Get rid of that, man. That was like back in the day. 
My goodness. Uh, but uh, there's this current phenomenon happening in social media uh, that where people, they will, for some reason or another, they gain this massive following on a social platform. And social media has begun to call them social media influencers. Social media influencers. And because of these platforms, these individuals gain a huge, massive following. And not just like a small group, uh, but, but like these people gain millions of dedicated followers online. It, it's, it's a crazy thing to study, to look at. And because of this, this individual has gained all the recognition and dedication from their millions of followers. And they have this massive digital platform with these people. And the thing with this, and the reason why this is important for us to know, parents and grandparents, you need, don't tune out if you don't have social media or you don't really care or you're just on Facebook just to follow. Like You need to know this because these people have influence in our society. These people have so much power. And the reason they gave them this influencer name is because since these people, millions of followers on their social media, marketing companies go to these people and say, hey, can you endorse this product? And if they offer enough high enough bid, the influencer will accept it, endorse the product, and by fault, because of the dedication of all their followers, they'll see a rise in sales. So, for instance, just to kind of put it in there, I wanted to see who was kind of uh, the, the top Instagrammer influencer today, and her name is Kylie Jenner. I never thought I would be talking about Kylie Jenner in church before, um, until now. Uh, for those of you who don't know Kylie Jenner, she's part of the Kardashian family. If you uh, ever watched MTV growing up, you've probably watched the reality show The Kardashians. Um, but this is the little sister, and her name's Kylie Jenner, and she is the top Instagram influencer in the world today. Just kind of put it, kind of her following the dedication. She has 142 million people following her. 142 million people following her, and she has so much influence that makeup companies want her to post a pic of her using their makeup because they know as soon as her followers, 142 million of them, see her using a type of lipstick or blush or wearing some type of clothing, their, their sales are going to skyrocket because she has that much influence. And so I, I was kind of curious, like, what? Not that I would do this. Don't freak out. But I'm like, what would it take? for her to like promote the rock church to her Instagram. Five bucks, 10 bucks, might be doable. Uh, the startup advertising cost with Kylie Jenner to use her influence power is $100 million. $100 million. Some of you guys are still trying to count that high. I'll let you get there. I'll let you get there. That's how much it costs. That's how much power these influencers hold. And all the advertisement is, if you guys have Instagram, all it is, it's a picture social media, and all she does is take a little picture of her using some type of lipstick, says, oh, I love this lipstick, emoji, 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 hashtag where the company is, and posts it. That sounds like a good job, maybe. I don't know. But then she gets this check. And so in this world, and the reason I tell you this and I give you all the, the numbers with this is, be, is because it's important to know who is influencing our generation. It's important. And there's good and bad with Kylie Jenner. I'm not here to say bashing her or anything like that. But I am saying that there are influencers in this world that we follow, uh, the generation before me, my generation, and the generation after me. And it's really important to know the power of influence. Now, believe it or not, I don't know if you have 150 million followers on your social media or not, 
But Jesus actually has given you influence in this world. He's given each and every one of you influence in your community and in your family, at your workplace, at the grocery store. And I want to talk about how to be engaging influencers because the way we reach this world is through our influence. Meaning that we actually have to do something to bring Jesus to somebody. And they're not going to buy into Jesus unless they buy into you. They have to know who you are. They want to know the relationship. They want to know what you're like. And so you need to know you have influence in this world. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is on the Mount of Beatitudes, and he's given this sermon, famously called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, it's, it's actually one of my favorite sermons that Jesus ever gives because it's a sermon that packs a lot of punches. It's, there's, he's very plain Jane in it. He talks about really heavy areas like giving and divorce uh, and sexuality and all those things. But he also puts in some like sarcasm and some humor into that. If, if you don't know the Sermon on the Mount, I encourage you to read Matthew chapter 5 and 6. I believe it kind of goes into 7. Um, read it. See what Jesus is talking about. But at this point in the sermon, he gets to a spot where he's talking to those who are dedicated to his cause, telling them about the influence they have in this world. So I want, I want us to read this together, and I want to show you the influence that you have. So this is what Jesus says. He says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Everyone say, I am. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? The answer is no. That's sarcasm. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. He goes on in verse 14 and says, you are the light of the world. Everyone say, I am. You are the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Now, in church, we have been talking about uh, there's a lot of people that says, no, no, don't let people know the good that you do, which is true. But I think some of us have taken it very radically, where we don't want anyone to know about our relationship with Jesus. And for some reason, the American church has taught this for years, that your relationship with Jesus is between you and God. And that's a lie. In fact, what he's saying there, he's saying, do you know what? Like, don't be boastful about it. But let people you know Jesus by the work you do. Don't try to hide it. Let them see it. And he's saying, you know what? Let them all see the good deeds. Shine out for all to see so that everyone, and this is why, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Here, here's the deal. If you show your good deeds to this world in the right way, in the, in the right spirit, they're not going to praise you for it. They're going to praise Jesus. They're not going to see you. They're going to see the God that you serve. They're not going to even care about you, but they want to know what makes you different than the other's people. So let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that they'll praise your heavenly father. So Jesus is telling the followers that, hey, you have influence in this world. In fact, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And Jesus uses, uses this idea of salt and light to describe what type of influence you have in this world. So the first one I want to talk about, I want to talk about salt. Why does Jesus say we are salt? Now, Jesus is not talking about the physical makeup in our body. For those of you who don't know, we have a little part of us that's actually salt. Salt is very important for us. And so for those of you who are trying to like, we don't need to take salt so I can watch so I don't get all bloated and big, you're, 
don't skip salt. You need salt, right? The nurses and doctors agree with that here? Like, uh, yeah, okay, just make sure. <laughs> make sure I'm not preaching heresy in the medical world. Um, but he's not talking about the physical makeup as human beings, but he uses salt because salt was a staple in the culture for many things, just as salt is a staple in our culture today. Let's look at salt just kind of the natural. Let's just kind of start from the base, from, from base one. Salt in the natural does a lot of different things for us. For an example, salt is used to preserve things. Salt is used to preserve things. Uh, the best way I can put this is my passion, I love to hunt. And any hunters in the room, you know we like our jerky. Like, almost in a very unhealthy manner. Like, jerky and Pepsi are the worst combination to have in a duck blind for me. It's not good. For those of you good, it, it smells a little bit in the duck blind. It's not good. You guys can laugh at that. That's okay. It's okay. But salt, when you make jerky, you use tons of salt on the meat. Why? Because it preserves the meat. It actually dries the moisture out and makes the jerky last longer than what it would without the salt. Even in the Bible, the Old Testament, salt is used everywhere. Especially, I found this out, especially when it comes to sacrifices. Did you know in the Old Testament, when they made a sacrifice to God in the temple, every sacrifice had to have salt on it? Every sacrifice had to have salt on it. Don't believe me? I'm going to show you scripture. Leviticus 2.13 says this. It says, season all your grain offerings with salt to remind you of God's eternal covenant. Why did he use salt? To remind them of something eternal, to make things last. Never forget to add salt to your grain offerings. Numbers 18 continues why this is important in the ESV version. It says, all the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you as their perpetual due. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and your offspring with you. You see, here's the deal. Salt symbolizes of things that are supposed to last. Salt symbolizes of things that are supposed to last, things that are preserved, things that are, in fact, eternal. Christians, you are the salt of this earth. You are eternal. You need to know that. You are eternal, and that's salt fact number one. Salt preserves. Salt preserves. Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth, meaning that your influence as salt preserves. What do we preserve? <laughs> we preserve, check this out, especially in the light of what happened the last 48 hours, we preserve our world from ending. We really do. We preserve our world from ending. Think about it. We as Jesus followers, we have the ability to stop our society from decaying. I just said that in the prayer this morning. Once we remove Jesus from our systems and everything in society, society begins to crumble. It decays. I mean, let me put it this way. When you put Christian morals and values into our society, things do get better. They do. Things get better. But once you take prayer out of schools, what happened to our schools? Once you take the Ten Commandments out of the courtroom, that's what happened in our court judicial system. Once you take Jesus out of several things in our society, you begin to take out the foundation of what's been holding everything up together. And, I, and this is not a political rant, because please hear me, because I'm actually kind of the opposite way of like when, when the schools say, oh, we're going to take prayer out. Okay. I'm actually kind of nonchalant about it. You know why? Because guess what? There's still Christians in schools that can pray. Just because the school says you can't pray here doesn't mean that you can't pray here. 
when the, when the courtroom says, oh, we don't need that on the sign. We don't need to remind people of how we, how we judge. We're going to take this. And people are all up in riots with their picketing signs. I'm like, okay, sure. Because guess what? We can still have Christian judges in the courtroom. We can have Christian council members in our council meeting. Because here's the thing. I think in American society, we've actually had it easier because we say, oh, look, they represent our Christian morals. I don't need to do anything now. I think Jesus is getting the point where it talks about, uh, I believe it's in Galatians. He talks about the sifting. I think Jesus is in the process of sifting our churches. He's finding out who's real and who's not. Who's engaging in his mission and who's not. Oh, they took, they, they, they took prayer out of the room. Are, are you still going to pray? Because I'm a Christian, that's what I'm supposed to do. You see, salt preserves. Church, you have to know you are the salt of this earth. Salt preserves. Here's salt fact number two. Salt tastes. Salt tastes. Um, I was at a, uh, a new joint uh, here in, uh, I'm not going to say the name, but uh, I went with another coworker of ours, and uh, we went and uh, had this dinner or lunch, and we went out there, and... Um, wasn't the best out there. But you know usually what happens when you taste something that's not really good and you know what you say? Pass the salt. Like a lot of it. If it's really bad, you get the ketchup out. Really bad. My wife can tell you of a story. She cooked our first meal um, and I brought the ketchup out. It wasn't, it wasn't that good. But my wife has gotten tremendously better. Amen. Really, you, As you can tell, I was a lot skinnier back then. Um, but salt helps things taste better. We use salt to make things taste good. But we don't use salt to make things taste like salt. Have you ever thought about that? You don't say it in a meal like, oh, this needs to taste a lot like salt. So you get the salt. Actually, what salt does, salt is used to enhance and influence the flavor that's already there. So if you have a steak, like we're having steaks tonight at my house. Uh, you guys are not invited. Um, steaks at my house. But usually what we do when we sear the steaks, we use pepper and Salt. That's all we use. Why? Because salt brings out the natural flavor of the steak, which begs this question, church, since we are the salt of the earth and we want to bring the flavor of Jesus. If you missed out on last sermon, tune in that because we talked about the flavor of Jesus that we bring. What flavor of Jesus are you carrying to your community? Because once you have salt, because you are the salt of the earth, whatever flavor you're carrying is going to be enhanced for everyone to be influenced with. Some of us might be carrying a bitter taste. And if there's salt there, all it's going to be is more bitter. Some of us are carrying a very good flavor of God's goodness. And when salt gets on it, it's going to taste awesome. And your influence is going to impact that. Salt tastes. But here's the thing, church. Salt can also lose its flavor. And it's not good anymore. And Jesus actually, on the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't pull any punches when he tells us what happens when we lose our salt. Here's the warning that Jesus gives. He says, but what good, if, what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? The answer is no. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. The reason they threw salt out back in the day is because it wasn't good for food. It wasn't good for nothing. That's actually where we get the phrase of you're good for nothing. It's from this phrase of throwing the salt out because salt was good for nothing once it lost its taste. But it was good for one thing, one thing only kill growth. If salt has lost all its value, it's good for only one thing, 
to kill what could be healthy. And so what they did, they took the salt and they threw it out in the streets and people would trample on it because it would kill the weeds there. It would draw all the moisture, any potential for growth or something healthy, and they kept the streets clear. Let me translate this for you as Christians, and this is a warning from Jesus. He's saying, if you've lost your salt, beware. Because you're actually not promoting any growth spiritually or even maybe physically inside the church. He's saying, beware. If you lose your saltiness, you need to watch out because all you're going to do is stunt growth. And so I'm, ta- I'm preaching to myself too here, church. I'm like, I'm like, Lord, have I lost some of my flavor? Do I need to figure some things out? And the reason they did this is a huge warning sign. And I think this serves as a good warning to us that when we lose our saltiness, we actually don't help out anything. In fact, we do the opposite and we stop growth from happening. We stop the growth from happening. Now, this is what's interesting. Tune in here, church. Tune in here. The scripture that we just read, it says this. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? And the three words is this, is lost its flavor. It's actually two words combined in the Greek, kind of like our English word, like I'm trying to think of two words that's combined. Boat dock. Is that combined? Boat lift. That's a combined word. Two English words combined in one. In Greek, lost its flavor is two Greek words combined into one. And the root word of the combined Greek word is morano, which translates to become foolish. To lose its flavor, three words in English, in the Greek means to become foolish. And this is important. Let me show you why. Because this is actually used in various times of Scripture in Romans 1, 21 through 22. What happens when you lose your salt? This is Romans 1, 21 through 22 answers. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They lost their salt. What happens when you lose your salt as Christians? become foolish. I know this is not like the most like peppy message, but I think it serves to us as a good warning. Church, we've got to watch our salt. We've got to know where our salt is at. They lost the good in their salt, and when this happens, you can't influence anything. When you lose your salt, you can't influence them. So it begs the question, then how do we remain as good salt? And I love this part. Again, God, this is amazing how big our God is. God will oftentimes, when he created this world, in the natural answer spiritual questions. Have you noticed that with God? Like, he's that good. Like, he didn't, God did not say, here's the big bang, and random created the earth. Like, no, he structured the earth. And so I looked up, like, in the natural, what is good salt? What is pure salt? And this is, this is what they said. In the natural, pure salt is always found next to the rock base. You guys get that? Spiritually translate that for you? Pure salt is always found next to the rock. 1 Corinthians 10.4, And all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. I'll give you another one. In the natural, salt is found right next to the rock, and because of that, when it rains, the water is filtered through this rock base and is constantly washing the salt of its impurities. Hope you got that one too. Ephesians 5.26, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. 
washed by the cleansing of God's word. What's pure salt in the spiritual talk? What we're talking about? How do you remain good salt? To be good salt, stand close to Jesus, read his word. Stand close to the rock. Not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. But Jesus Christ, our firm foundation. Don't neglect his teaching and his word. Get your butt in scripture. Hopefully I can say that, Travis. I said that. Stand next to the rock. Read scripture. And when you do that, you are protected by Jesus himself and you're constantly washed by his word. Two things that a lot of Christians are missing out today. Two things that is vital for Christians to have. Stand next to Jesus Christ. Stand as close as you can and read his word. And when you do that, you can influence as salt very effectively. I want to share this story and we'll talk just a little bit about light just really quick. I didn't learn about my influence as a Christian until I got into college. I went to Shadron State College. And I hung out with this group of uh, Native Hawaiians, Samoans. And the reason is because I kind of looked like them. I, hair's cut and I spike it up. Everyone thinks I'm Native Hawaiian. I'm not. <laughs> um, but I hung out with them. And they also play awesome ukulele. And everyone loved them. And if I can be honest, I wasn't married. All the single girls went to them. So I'm like, maybe I'll find my wife there. And I did. So that's what, how, that, how we met. It worked out. But I hung out with uh, these Hawaiians, and uh, I didn't realize how much influence I had in their life. Like, like, they knew I went to campus ministry. They knew I went to church. They knew I loved Jesus. But I didn't spend every time with them saying, hey, you need to get to church, man. Or like, hey, you need to know Jesus. And like, sometimes that works, but I, I never did that with them. And I was in college. I wasn't really just on mission as much. But I had a lot of influence in their life, and I didn't know it until this one situation. And this story is rated PG-13, and I think we're good, and you'll find out why. And it's okay to laugh during this story. So I was in the shower. I thought people were going to laugh at that. Thank you for tuning in. That was good. I was in the the dorm room showers, and it's uh, uh, multiple showers, all the guys going there. It's kind of weird. But uh, we're all in the showers, and I'm in the shower stall and doing my thing, and I hear the shower stall next to me turn on. And I don't think anything of it. I go in there, and, um, and the guy in the next shower says, hey, Vaughn, is that you? And you guys know shower talk. You guys been like in, oh, it's not weird, right? And I'm like, plus, I don't know if he knows my flip-flops or like what, but he knew it was me. And I said, yeah, but I could tell by his accent that it was one of the Hawaiians. In fact, his name is Isaiah. And I knew, I was like, yeah, Isaiah, it's me, man. What's going on? And he's like, oh, just hanging out, you know, it's just it's like, you know, it's just like a little short talk, and, and, uh, and he doesn't, without skipping a beat, he says, hey, um, I want to know more about this Jesus thing, those are exact words, I want to know about, more about this Jesus thing, and it's funny, you got the, you know, skin's kind of like, oh, this is really good, but my first instinct was like, yes, let's do this, my first instinct was like, God, really, right here, I'm buck naked, He's naked, kind of weird. And I said, oh, yeah, man, I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. We'll get out of the shower and, you know, I'll you know, we'll meet in the room. And, you know, so I get out and dry it off. And, again, he, he's in the shower for like maybe 30 seconds, shuts off the shower. Comes. This is a true story. You can ask my wife. And he gets out of the shower and he says, so tell me about it. 
fine, God, I'll at least wrap a towel around me. He's got a towel around his waist, and we actually talk about Jesus, and I get to lead him to Christ with towels around our waist. <laughs> well, that's good. You can clap. That's good. That's good. Two things to learn from there. First one is this. You need to be ready to share Jesus at any moment, even in the showers. Like God taught me a lot about that. Expect Jesus in the most unexpected places. Number two, be aware of how much influence you have in people's life. I just hung out with these guys. Because of that, not only did him, but his two cousins, Tala and Afa, came to Christ. And now they're back in Hawaii. They're plugged into a church. They're helping out nonprofit, And they're doing amazing things for Christ's kingdom. And let me tell you, yeah, go ahead and give it up. That's okay. Go and clap. That's good. Now, you expect, Vaughn, you guys are like best friends. You had all this time. I only had a couple months with these guys. And as much interaction I have with them has only just been a little bit on Instagram. But you need to know how much influence you have in people's life. Because you're the salt of the earth, church. You bring the good flavor of God to those who are desperately looking for a taste. Your influence matters. Now, the second part of this is where Jesus talks about we are light. And I was writing this. God downloaded a lot about salt. So I was actually tempted just to talk about salt. But as I got towards the end, I want to touch on light very quickly. Just as our salt has influence, light has influence. If you don't believe me, walk into a dark room, turn on the light. What happened? Darkness flees. It states in scripture, Jesus says, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Here's the deal, church. You are the light of God in this world. When Jesus walked here, he was known as the light of the world. But after Jesus ascended to heaven to sit with God the Father, he left you as sons of light. You know what that makes you? When you're a son of light, you are in fact light. You are light. John 12, 36 says, while you have the light, believe, me, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And the thing with light, church, again, Jesus doesn't pull any punches. Light is not effective with a bunch of other lights. Like all it does, you know what happens if we added more light to this? It just gets brighter. If we add more light to it, it gets even more brighter. You know what happens when things get too bright? You blind people. You know what happens when you blind people? They turn away. That's a whole nother spiritual sermon on that one. But light is most effective. Light fact number one, light is not effective with other lights. I've heard Christians say, well, if I could just be surrounded by other Christians at work or at school or whatever, then I'll be fine. If I can surround my kids with other Christian kids, then, then I will feel okay. But when Christians get around other Christians and it just stays that way, they actually just be, they just end up being comfortable and not shining their light in the most important places that needs to shine because it's with other lights. More times than not, this is for someone here, God will place you in an area that seems like you're out of your element. It's gonna seem like the people there will not reflect your values. It's gonna feel like you're standing out. Oh, that will speak. It'll feel like you're standing out in a dark place. And guess what? God did that on purpose. 
Because God looked down in your community and he saw a very dark place. And he's like, this is a good shining light. I'm going to bring this light to this dark place and start working for my glory. Come on, church. Light is not effective with other lights. Light fact number two, light is most effective in a very dark place. Light is most effective in a very dark place. Church, we are salt. We are to be in our community, establishing Jesus and his values, enhancing the taste of God we bring to people. But church, we are light, and we are to intentionally seek the darkest places in our community so that we can shine the brightest for Jesus. Church, our church, as a rock church, we are on the verge of something really good that I believe God is going to bring to fruition this year of 2019 and 2020. There's a lot of great things happening here at the church and God is saying, do you know what? Because you're doing so good at this, I'm gonna start putting you in places where you're gonna be the most effective. And that's easy to think that means that, oh, we're gonna be more in the Christian world. And let me tell you, it's actually very opposite. God's going to start placing you, including myself, in some very dark places. He's going to say, now shine. He's going to put you in places where people are looking for a taste of something to satisfy them. And he's going to say, hey, you're my salt. Go out and bring them the best taste. This is our jobs as the Rock Church. We're to be engaging influencers in our community because if we're not engaged with our community with Jesus, Heed this warning, church. Someone else will come along and engage our community with something else. Because people are always searching for something. Something spiritual, something bigger, something that's more than themselves. And if you don't bring Jesus to them, someone else will bring something counterfeit to their area. You want to have revival in North Platte? Jesus, bring Jesus. Unless a revival happen in the schools, bring Jesus. Revival happen with your coworkers, bring Jesus. The answer is Jesus, but he's going to use your influence to get there. So when you walk out of this, know two things. You are salt. You bring the good taste of God. You're also light. Go out to the darkest places and shine the brightest for God's glory. Amen.